0: Paths to Virgin of Woods, and I I took the path that had two hell cannons. Welcome to the Path to Story Podcast, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of lore and more here in the Mortal Realms. And we're gonna start off with Spencer. Spencer, who are you today?
1: Oh boy, am I someone. My name is Melchucha Anuli Fluxhand. <laughs> and I uh, have you ever heard of the tragedy of uh, the disguised prophet of the eternal homunculus? Uh, and that that is that is what I do uh, every day. So serving the the lovely savior, whose I, name I can't pronounce, Zintchuk Archonites, <laughs> is is what I do. So uh, every, you day. Just me is, every day, call me male. Every
0: day I do this.
2: Is it is it perchance?
1: Oh, yeah, baby, that sounds about right.
0: (laughs) Oh, ye, the great unpronounceable. All right, well, who are you today?
2: I am Prince Fangov Sausage Bone, roving marshal of the British Menagerie.
0: Oh, nice. I like that. I'm Paul, and I am Alan Voidstave, the reckless alchemist of the Splintered Orb. (laughs)
1: <laughs> See, that sounds fun. Reckless Alchemy? I'm all down for that. That sounds fun.
0: I, you were talking what about that it? earlier, so yeah. Maybe yeah. that is your uh, AOS name. Stave. I like it. Um, and uh, a shout out to Rum Plastic Name Generator. Awesome as always. So let's begin the story. So we're going to start off by just doing a quick uh, rundown of what we are and what you're going to expect in this episode of Path to Story. So, we Will, go on into it. Yeah, so
2: we are a Path of Glory podcast talking about the mechanics of Path of Glory, which we did uh, a lot of in our first episode. But in this episode, we're going to talk about the forces that Paul and I have created, both the lore behind them, as well as the Path of Glory mechanics we
0: use to create them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, these are going to be our... Uh, for want of a better term, are character armies that we're going to present their story front and center as we move along in Path to Story. Does that sound right?
2: That is correct. These are going to be the forces we are going to have represent us here in this little setting and kind of explore what can come of it as we we play some games.
0: All right, all right. Cool stuff. Uh, so we're going to move on to the mustering of our forces. Um, so, Will, uh how about you talk a little bit about how your war band was made? Yeah. So the
2: idea for the war band really came, uh, well, <laughs> when they re- teased the Draconith, mm-hmm. Draconith,
0: Draconith. Yeah. Right oh, first time. Do you know what that is?
1: I was unmuting myself. Is that <laughs> either one of two? Is is it dragons related? I know how they like to change names just slightly here. So or vampires? That sounds so, vampire-y. <laughs> you
2: Where's were we right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so they, they finally released like true dragons for age of sigmar we've had dragons that have carried over from uh, warhammer fantasy battles from from the world that was we've had storm drakes that have come but i i really lambasted the lack of dragons in this high fantasy setting and then you know games workshop delivered and they delivered uh in full in in my opinion so I really wanted to make a Stormcast Dragon Force. Um, so that was the the starting idea. And going from there, I really looked into like how do I make this my own? And the answer was everybody's a dragon. The the lowly stormcast liberators, I was gonna do some basic conversions to give them dragon heads and more draconic weapons. And if you hop into the Mortal Realms Discord, you can see some of the the pictures, and that's realms.com slash discord, of every unit I have is converted in some way, shape, or form to be this draconic force. Um, yeah, and that's sort of how like that idea came to be. And before I get into any other specifics, Paul, tell me a little bit about uh, your dudes.
0: Um, I'm going to give you, like, plus two cool points for using the word lambast correctly in a sentence. I? I, I uh, did give I? you props for that. You did, indeed. I was impressed.
2: I, I use so many words that I forget which ones I use, <laughs> but most of the times i use used correctly.
0: <laughs> Good. I, I, I appreciate that. That's helpful. All right. So my war band is actually based on a short story that I wrote quite a while ago, three or four years um, that I was super happy with. That I wrote for a character that was going to be an example for my gibbering dome event at Adepticon. That was a lot of words and a big run on sentence. So let me break that <laughs> is, down here.
1: Oh man, what even is Adepticon? Is that a, is that a, like a, a nerd convention? I'm assuming. Oh yes, it <laughs> is. Okay,
0: okay. It is the nerd convention uh, at the at the time um, of recording. I believe it is still the largest. Uh, miniatures convention in the world it's in chicago or so not too far from us and i run a narrative event for age of sigmar at adepticon every year um, called the gibbering dome so it uses uh terrain that i have designed and a lore that i have created that is all my own and definitely not canon um and the idea is you have a cool character that comes in and stuff happens to him and that's how you kind of create the story. So I wrote my own example of a character who would show up at the Gibbering Dome. Uh and that character's name was called Petrel the Thornborn. Um and I really enjoyed the story and with the Dawnbringer Crusades being a thing, I finally got an idea to make an army around that character. So I just finished converting it yesterday. So I'm super pumped to like dive into the story of how this is going to move forward. Um, I'm just using. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely correct. Petrol is called gasoline. The Stormborn in the States. Spencer is funny. Um <laughs> uh, I was pointed out to me last week, and I know, but it's also a bird. A petrol is a bird. Yes. Come on, look I it know up. that.
1: I know that. It's- <laughs> yeah, of
0: all people. Come on. <laughs> uh, hopefully, there's not a petrol shortage, though. I hope he lives quite a long time. But um, so he was a cool character, and I wrote a story, and I actually had to go buy a bunch of bits in order to fit the model. To be the character that I wrote about in this story, so it's it's one of my more ambitious kit bashes, even though it's a single foot character. So, Spencer, I bet you have no idea what a kit bash means, huh?
1: Yeah, uh, no, I know. I think I can, I can guess. Um, okay, I think it means to to merge a bunch of different um, components of the pieces into one from many different factions.
0: Correct. Yep. Yeah, nailed it. Got it in one. So that's what I did. So, um, so where uh they are they are starting out in Giron um but we're going to be scouting out um from Giron in this campaign um
1: what's uh, so Giron is that one of the the levels that we talked about last time correct. just a land? okay
0: that's the realm of life um which fits in very very strongly to the narrative for my force um So what they are is they are a Dawnbringer Crusade force. So I should probably explain what a Dawnbringer Crusade is. Um, So at this point in the narrative story for Age of Sigmar, and I literally mean like right at this moment in time, in our time, um, Age of Sigmar does this really cool thing where they move the storyline forward quite often. And as of six months ago, this is the now that we are in, as I like to call the perpetual now. Um, And right now, the armies of Sigmar, who is the god of Azir, are engaging on crusades to go out into the wilderness and to reclaim from chaos lands that were once theirs, or to claim from chaos or the dead or whatever lands that they have not had before. They're trying to expand their influence, build new cities, um, claim new territories.
1: The little manifest destiny kind of thing in, in the realm here.
0: You yeah. you've nailed it. I I
2: will step in to say just because I like necess- don't necessarily love the idea of like portraying manifest destiny that there is even more nuance to it than that because it's mm-hmm. not that they are claiming lands owned by others, but they are reclaiming lands that have been taken from them. And I really like that—that's the the spin that GW put on it.
0: Absolutely, um, and that fits directly into my narrative as well, uh, which we will get into when we start talking about the models themselves. I did a pretty extensive kit bash of every, pretty much every model in my army. Um, except for my bodyguard unit. But we'll get there. Um, so you
1: guys are starting out pretty homebrew. We got dragons, which are already very rare. Mm-hmm. Which, which asterisks, very surprising to hear. Is uh, there and an obelisk as well? Yet.
2: Yeah.
0: Sorry. <laughs> 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 I don't know
1: helps <laughs>
0: the response was
2: the funniest part of that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry I apologize I interrupted Spencer go ahead.
1: Oh no it's fine that's it's the, it's the nature of banter um, okay so we got we got we got dragon Bros um, mm-hmm. TM and we have um, oh adventurers it's like they're coming back back in the saddle adventurers. Yeah, Go, going back and clear. I feel like there's more to know about your folks a little bit. I don't really know what to imagine because you said they look very different than anything mm-hmm. existing at this point.
0: Yeah. My my guys would be appropriately labeled as tree bros. But they are tree not. Tree bros. Correct. TM. Okay. But they are not Sylvaneth, which are the race that are literally trees, but they are working hand in hand with the Sylvaneth, which is part of their narrative. Yeah, yeah they, they speak for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um. So why uh, they are going out is because they are doing Sigmar's will, but I think that's going to be one of the interesting um, narrative hooks that I enjoy about this army is that there is a question as to whether or not they're being manipulated by the green priests from the living city. So the green priest is basically a wizard of life and they are, very prevalent in Giran because in the cities of Sigmar, even though they are human, they typically try and get along with the realm that they're in. Otherwise, their city can be destroyed because the realm itself is a very active and real agent in the story. So every army in Giran or every city in Giran is going to have some sort of a green priest. And my green priests are perhaps not necessarily the most aligned to Sigmar, but they're enough aligned to Sigmar that the people in my army who are totally for Sigmar are like, alright, this is close enough. So, um, that's where that we are. S-
1: Sigmar adjacents. Of sorts. <laughs> they're like, good enough, we'll take it. Sigmar
0: ash adjacents? Can, can I get a yes? get <laughs> a- 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 There you a- go. A- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Um, I didn't take any advantage of the specific path to glory rules for cities of Sigmar since they don't have them. Um, But I am definitely going to make use of the narrative path to glory rules that are in the core book. So, all right, so we're going to move on to our first steps uh, phase. So we're going to talk about how, we are starting our lore, our background for our armies here. And we're going to get into a little bit of the modeling as well. Since representing these armies that are going to be our narrative thrust moving forward. So um, we are going to start by talking about the Hungering Step. And I'm going to throw that over to Will to get a little bit more yeah. in-depth into what's going on. Yeah.
2: So the Hungering Step is a... Nearly like a small continent sized area of Gur. And for those who may not know or didn't listen to episode one, Gur is the realm of beasts. And this, this Steppe, yeah, Gur, uh, not Gur, the Hungering Step uh, has not yet been reclaimed by the forces of Sigmar. It is a a very bestial realm that we are going to be exploring with a bunch of different smaller factions that we may reveal later on. And that's less of like we're trying to keep secrets and more of we only have like vague ideas ourselves of what these groups are. And we want to give ourselves the freedom to expand on that as we play games and as we continue moving forward. But the idea is that this is an area that is new to the forces of Sigmar, while there may be civilizations and cities there. These are cities and civilizations that have had to survive um, against chaos on their own. And the land itself is hungry in all of the different regions of this steppe. There is the hungering Step itself, which gets its name from the massive sinkholes, that will spurt open if enough blood is shed. And as you fall down, there are jagged teeth that more or less eat you, which gives people the perception that the land itself is hungering. There is a region called the Swallowing Bogs, which will drag you beneath the waters. And there's also the the Fangwood Forest, which is where all of the trees are made of bone, and they look almost like jagged teeth uh, across the horizon and stabbing up at folks. We really wanted to like emphasize like, that Gur is not just a normal place, that it is the realm of beasts, and that means that the land itself is bestial, the land itself is feral, and the land itself is hungry.
0: Yeah, that's one of the cool things about Gur is that uh, they talk about it and literally tectonic plates will battle against each other. One of the cool things uh, about Gur as well is that um, if you read into the narrative for the broken realms, the home of one of the God characters that we just got introduced to Kragnos, actually has been eaten by the continents around it. So that's the realm of Dons has actually been eaten by the continental shelf around it. Um, the trees literally will try and, pierce your skin to suck your blood because everything in Gur is somewhat monstrous. uh, So it's a very cool place um, for a fantasy setting. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, cool place to not be uh, in real life (laughs) is what this sounds like.
0: I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, I won't disagree with you there. I don't know where a cool
2: place to be is in the Age of Sigmar, if I'm being honest. I mean,
0: (laughs) yeah. This is a frequent discussion that they have on Warhammer Live. It's like, where would you live if you were forced to live in some place? And it's like, well, I, I imagine the Sigmar Oblum would be a pretty cool place to live.
1: What's the, the Sigma Oblum?
0: I knew that was coming. But yes, uh, so the Sigma Oblum is this floating city above Azir, which again is the realm of heavens, that is surrounding the core of Malice. So the core of Malice is actually a piece of the old world. From Warhammer fantasy, that made it into the mortal realms by flying through space. And this core is surrounded by this massive city that has, imagine like the rings of Jupiter. So the whole city is built on those rings of Jupiter. But within that is also a thing called the Anvil of Apotheosis. The Anvil of Apotheosis is where Stormcasts are forged and reforged in the Mortal Realms. So it's a it's a big um important place within the Mortal Realms, but it's also in the only realm that's never been completely taken over by Chaos. And it's also considered to be one of the safest places in the realms. So.
1: That was pretty. That's clear. Yeah, that's weird. That's that's really intensive lore, but I guess it makes Mm -hmm. sense because it's the start of how it all how it all was made. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, so one of the other cool things is that in the realm of beasts, there's also a city called Excelsis, that has what's called the Spear of Malice, which is this huge jagged shard that fell off of the coast, and a city was built up around it because this Spear of Malice can be mined. For these things called Glimmerlings, which are basically just little pieces of the old world. And the little pieces of the old world actually give prophecies so they can tell you about the future. But not all Glimmerlings are created equal. So some of them are like, hey, you might win $5 if you bet on the dice game in three days. And some of them are like, oh, by the way, there's this guy, Kragnos, and he's coming to destroy your city. So I'm going to be uh, honest,
1: one of those sounds a lot better than the other. <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, So they actually wrote a a novel called Dominion um, that addresses this specific issue when it comes to Dawnbringer Crusades because one of the characters in that book got a glimmerling and it activated its prophecy only when she held it and she became the focus of the Dawnbringer Crusade and she led a crusade out from Excelsis into the wilderness to go found a new city so uh it kind of ties in a little bit to the narrative so
1: yeah that's, yeah. that's your guys the Dom dumb, dumb bringers yeah
0: correct or uh donors, as they are sometimes called according to the core rule book so um so i think we've established where we are right yes Everyday satisfaction all right so uh hold on to your butts um we're gonna we're gonna go into my <laughs> lore here um so you might hear some rummaging around because I'm actually using my models to re- help me to remember what my lore is for this army. So um, so my main character, as I said, is Petrel the Thornborn. He is an Empire general. I have armed him with a bow and an axe, and he's got a couple braids in his hair. So I'm using that as a device to tell you that this conversion uses the Empire archer kneeling legs And then a Chaos Marauder Horseman Torso along with two Empire Archer arms, one with a bow, one with a knife. And I cut that off and then added a Spite Revenant axe to it to kind of get a Sylvaneth feel. Then I took a Vanguard um, cape, uh, which is fur, which was one of the things that I had labeled in the background, and added that to him. And then I went and bought... Cow Jericho for Necromunda, oh, and he is the head uh, because he has two braids on his head, and my story mentioned that the character has two braids. Hmm. So I went pretty far afield, but I'm super happy with the conversion.
1: Is that a, a Jer- cow Jericho? Is that a, a a guy I should know about? Is that the name of your
2: no character? Um, okay, is that the so, figure? Well, not even so. Cow Jericho is a figure in Necromunda which is a, mm-hmm. both a game and a city that exists in the Warhammer 40K universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about him personally. I know he, but it's like a sci-fi, fancy bounty hunter type dude.
0: Um, guns yep. Gunslinger type design. He's a very cool character that has a ton of lore written about him. So, all right. So we're going to try this. So Spencer, I'm uploading a picture into the uh, into our Discord, for you to see, this is what Petrol Thornborn looks like. He's the guy on the left.
1: Oh, oh, that's neat. Yeah, 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 yeah. He looks super Norse,
0: but yeah, I can see that
1: elf elf face. Yeah, I think I think it's just the the big braids. Yeah, he's got his face there and the beard. That's an epic cape, though. You weren't kidding. That's amazing. That it looks like it all matches together. But they're all just from separate kits.
0: Yeah, and that black stuff is uh, putty that I've used to kind of blend in the the fur of his chest into the fur of the cape.
1: That's awesome. It looks like he's kind of got like a conquistador shirt a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know, like parlay.
2: Yeah, that's a bit of the design of the free guild. It's like a kind mm-hmm. of like that style of sleeve paired with some more uh, like Germanic clothings
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, that's that's pretty spot on very very dramatic i mean i just can't get over the amount of detail in these figurines this just <laughs> blows my mind every time i look at these
0: yeah exactly so so moving on so petrol is petrol the thornborn is his full name um he is the third son if i'm not mistaken of a family um of free men of Giran. but being the third son he is not entitled to any rights or lands of his tribe and so he has struck out on his own in order to find his fortune and lo and behold he has become the focus of the dawnbringer crusade for my force he still definitely has a connection to the realms um, and some influence of the sylvaneth and Ilariel. so that's a key part of who my army is going to be. So, Will, um, did you have your general kind of lined up here?
2: I do. So, my general is Thalen Razorbolt. Uh, Thalen is a Knight Vexilor with a Banner of Apotheosis. Nice. Um, I'm going to post a picture in the chat. And then I'm going to talk a bit more about him. The only conversion, oddly enough, my general's the one with the least amount of conversions. Uh, <laughs> all I did was a a simple head swap to make him more draconic.
1: I I just love dragons. I they're my they're always my my favorite characters in a movie. Period. I don't care if they're usually the bad guys. I think they're just the neatest. So.
0: So, Rain of Fire was awesome.
2: Best movie. Ten out of ten. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm gonna go. Now. Like, <laughs> I take it all back. All take right. It all back.
2: Uh, here is Thalen. That's cool. I like
0: it.
1: Let me take a look. That's a really neat banner. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's huge. It's like as tall Okay, okay. This is like a it looks like the, like the blue dragon from D and D. Got the big horn on his face.
2: Yeah, I think that was the inspiration for the bit for the head was, a blue dragon, and that's why I went with it. Plus, with the angle. Because uh, the lore for Thalen kind of ties into the the lore for the entire storm host that is this Storm Scale Covenant, is that you know, way back in the Age of Myth they were humans that worshipped Dracothian, which is like a god beast dragon, essentially a dragon near powerful as a god sometimes more powerful than certain gods. Mm-hmm. And they were the, the caretakers for dragons. Mm-hmm. When the age of chaos comes and chaos starts taking over territories and lands and killing everyone. Dracothian made a deal with Sigmar that Sigmar would save his worshippers, And These different cults of the dragon got zapped up, just like Sigmar zapped up the would-be Stormcast Eternals. Thalen doesn't remember much about his past life. He, being a knight, is not the highest ranking yet, and he thinks that this mission... Oh, I see a raised hand.
1: Oh, sorry, I was just going to quickly... Zapped up? What happened there? <laughs> what do you mean by zapped I, yeah. up? <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: yep, <good point. laughs> Yeah, so the Stormcast Eternals, which is what my army is based off of, were mortal warriors that worshipped Sigmar. And what happened is that Sigmar lost the big war way back in the day. And Chaos was invading everything those brave warriors who were willing to die fighting in Sigmar's name would disappear in bolts of lightning. And what was happening was that Sigmar sitting in the Simulablam and Azir would essentially try and save these souls. And he used the, anvil of apotheosis to reforge them into his eternal warriors. Um, they would always live and die and fight in his name and then be reforged. And they would live and die and fight again.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, the anvil's coming back round. Exactly. Correct. Round two.
2: So Thalen was reforged on the same anvil. And he is sent to the Hungering Step because they believe this is a good spot to try and rebuild dragons. And he, while not like a, a high lord in the army, he is just a knight. He is trying to prove himself and rise up in the ranks. And so he's taking this force to clear out any would-be Ne'er do wells or anyone trying to take the powers of the hungering step that would be, in his eyes, better used to serve dragons.
1: Well, probably because they don't have to walk on the ground, they can just fly over it, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, so we have our generals there. Um, Spencer, do you have any questions? On what we're started here, I think we we clarified a little bit, and we got a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And something I said earlier tied in super well to what Will was talking about. So I'm yeah, about yeah, that. yeah.
1: I'm I'm following. Uh, so we have um, Dragon Bros TM for sure, uh, yeah. and led by a, a a dragon car person man dragon carved car. out on an anvil. Dragon car hand a car uh, and. Then and we've got um, Ranger Danger, who is just very cool <laughs> with a wolf cape and like barbaric braids. So this is this is a very outdoorsy group. I wonder mm-hmm. how they'll interact with each other, though. That'll be what I'm excited to see.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. That's that's where we're going with this story. So I'm glad you're excited to see it because there's gonna be a lot of that. Um so um my army I'm going to probably do a couple quick fire pictures here in the chat just FYI. Um so the narrative thrust of my army is devoted to a couple different factions. So I've got my um Huntsman faction. Um so these guys are really going to be my skirmishers that are going to go out and make sure that we know what's going on, kind of doing scouting, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I've done to really tie in my army to my narrative is that all my champions are this uh, let's say dryad on the bottom and then we've got the
1: uh, wait, a dryad?
0: Correct. So, a, so the front and center there is the mm. dryad, which is a tree person. But then I've converted it to have a wild rider torso and head, um, mm-hmm. which is another very heavy stable enough influenced um, character, and a bow. Um, so every champion in all of my units has this kind of combination going on of half dryad, half person to reinforce that living city. And then all my archers also have what are called spites. So Spites are these little spirits that are typically around the Sylvaneth that really um, are just kind of these malevolent. Uh, what's the best way of putting it? Um, malevolent, angry little spirits of the forest.
2: Almost fairy like, but like. Oh, absolutely. the and the old ways of fairies, where they were less fun.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. So I've got four units of these guys. So what I'm covering here is going to be about a 2,000-point force um, because narratively we're going to actually have a couple of Dawnbringer Crusades trying to figure out what's going on and uh, move our narrative forward for that. So half of my army is going to be these huntsmen and the other half of my army is going to be... um what are called the devoted to sigmar so these are religious fanatics for sigmar himself so because it's still my living city army my champions are still these like half dryad half wild rider which is just kind of a cool combination but i i converted mine a little bit more to fit in with the unit so instead of having a bow and a dagger my um My bodyguard unit is a bunch of Sisters of Sigmar models that I bought way back in the day from Mordheim. Um, So these are combat nuns of Sigmar. And um, I added a couple hammers to my champion for that one. And then I've got two units of 20 flagellants and I added some um, skull branch whips.
1: A what? A 20 what?
0: So I've got two units of 20 flagellants.
1: Flagellants.
0: Correct. So, narratively, like, what... Go okay. ahead.
1: As, like, like flagella off the sides of a cell? Like, little, little tiny hairs?
0: So, yes and no. A lot of no. <laughs> Some yes. <laughs> so, they do have these appendages, which are the whips and etc., that they beat themselves with to pour their blood upon the land. And the act of flagellating themselves in order to make themselves bleed in the canon for age of Sigmar actually purifies the land that they walk on because of their devotion to Sigmar. So,
1: so they're very subtle about their faith is what you're saying. Very oh, funny.
0: absolutely. Um, and the sisters of Sigmar are very much the same. I'm running them as a unit of what are called great swords. Um, and they are just immensely devoted. Oh, I, have a flame on that guy interesting I cut off all the flames Mm -hmm. on my flagellants but I have a flame on my sisters of sigmar model so I'm gonna have to decide if I keep that or not because I've removed all the flames
1: I was just I mean I think it looks neat she looks very intense
0: yep it's just that that
1: red is so bright I like that color red and gold
2: that sylvaneth probably just doesn't like it as much oh oh, Yeah. yeah
1: I mean, I'm going to be honest, he's probably hard to read, um, given the yeah. the mask.
0: Yeah, so the models that I have in the picture, I painted about 12, 14 years ago. So everything is going to be repainted at some point. But um, that was my painting skills when I started playing Warhammer.
1: You've come so far. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> even look bad, but oh my gosh. Yeah, that's... I mean, these, these figures... I, I'm amazed to see how many... Different poses there are of the, not the druid, druite mm-hmm. dru, the guy druid? with the antlers. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got a bow, and this uh, one's got like a real intense beard. Yeah, thing. that's neat. yeah. I,
0: I added beards to the flashlight ones because I thought that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh. I also just need
2: to call out the Easter egg in that last picture. Um, yeah, Johann. <laughs>
0: Oh yes, one of my flagellants is Johan. Yeah, I love it. running so away much. from the battle.
1: Oh, I was wondering what that was. I wasn't gonna I wasn't even gonna be like comment on it, but they'd see the dude running away in the background, he's kind of blurry the arms yeah. out. Uh, so
0: he's a, he's a model that comes with the the Gargant kit, which is a giant in Age of Sigmar. And he's just running away from the kit, and he's been in the game forever, but he's become a meme that Games Workshop have <laughs> decided to perpetuate themselves. Uh, but the reason why my force is kind of split is that the the Dawnbringer Crusades are driven a lot by the Devoted of Sigmar. Um, it's an interesting situation at the moment because we don't have any rules for the Devoted themselves as a faction. We used to have rules for Warrior Priests and for a War Altar and all kinds of other things. But at the moment, we don't have those. We may get them in the future, but at the moment, we don't. So I'm using what are called proxies. So I have models, but I'm using them uh, as rules for another unit in the meantime while we wait and see what happens going forward. Um, but there's going to be this tension between the Huntsmen, who are obviously very Sylvaneth allied, and the Devoted of Sigmar, which are obviously very Sigmar allied. Um, so those are kind of my foot troops. So Will, did you want to kind of talk about how your kind of basic units are going to function in your army?
2: Yeah. So coming from the Stormcast side, while I may have different little sub-factions within, they Mm -hmm. are a little bit more united than uh, your folks. Yeah. So I, while creating my force, really wanted to focus on the ideas of like what are dragons to me what what exemplifies them and so the idea came of wanting to do uh, a group that hits fast and hits hard and so i did a lot of thunderstrike units uh just because they're the new toys to play with but i also went with a few other fast units so just going from top to bottom Uh, First, I have a unit of Vindictors.
0: One quick thing here, Will. Yes. I don't think we've explained Thunderstrike.
2: That is correct. So, um, as Paul mentioned, we hadn't mentioned Thunderstrike before. What the Thunderstrike is, it's, it's really only just a suit of armor, but it was a new invention for the Stormcast Eternals. While the Stormcast Eternals have been around for years now, as Paula mentioned, in the Perpetual Now, we are coming up shortly after Kragnos attacked Excelsis. And while that was a a realm breaking thing, so to speak, what really forced Sigmar's hand to create this new armor was the demon the demon prince belacor a
0: belacor Belacor
2: who is a phenomenal model Mm
0: -hmm. and he
2: exists both in age of sigmar and in 40k which i love um Mm -hmm. even though i don't uh probably some controversies but i don't think it's the same belacor um if i'm not mistaken i don't know could Could be, be cool though could be cool yeah but it's this massive demon who is cursed. He was mm-hmm. originally chosen by all four chaos gods to represent them. And then he did something that they haven't revealed, but he did something to lose their favor. Mm-hmm. And that favor went to Archeon, who is now the ever chosen. Belacor yep. understandably doesn't like that. So he he had a power play where he wanted to essentially sacrifice an entire realm and sacrifice the Stormcast Eternals to the Dark Gods. And he created what is known as the Cursed Skies. Mm-hmm. Where there are now chaos clouds in Shaman. Uh,
1: Shaman! shamoun <laughs> uh,
2: There are chaos clouds in shamoun that when normal Stormcasts die and get zapped up to Azir, they can get caught in the clouds and the the lightning that bears their souls can get torn apart by the demons in these clouds.
0: Yeah. So, this is a cool thing that I really like. So, when you die as a storm cast, you ascend back to Azir. If for some reason you can't get there or there's an issue or you're waiting for the anvil of apotheosis, you are what is called a lightning geist. Mm hmm. So literally you're a ghost of pure electricity and that ghost of pure electricity is what is hammered into form to become a stormcast, which is an immensely painful and long process because there's a group of uh, Dwarden called the six Smiths whose entire job is to fashion you into a workable being. And so the reason as far as we can tell why stormcasts lose some of their memories, lose some of their abilities each time they're reforged is because the six myths throw out parts of their personality that are fighting against them being reforged. We've actually had some really cool stories where, um, for example, in soul wars where one of the stormcasts was being reforged and was just like freaking out. And he was like, I'm losing part of myself. I don't understand what's going on. And he escaped. And if a lightning geist escapes, he can be gone forever. And one of the chambers of the Stormcast called the Sacrosant, which is basically the devoted of Sigmar, but Stormcast, uh, to be quick about it, um, their entire job is to make sure that nobody escapes from this reforging because once they're gone, their soul is lost, Um, which let's be honest is probably better than your soul going to nagash in Shaish the land of the dead but at the same time you're in eternal torment because you will never be able to control yourself because part of being a lightning geist is this erratic ability to not be able to control yourself so here's a bit of a deep dive for you
1: whoo and I just learned so much. I feel like I learned more than I did in like any history class yeah. I ever attended. In
0: <laughs> yeah, and people say
2: Age of Sigmar isn't dark enough. <laughs>
1: oh yeah.
0: yeah, or it doesn't have enough lore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hard, hard stop. Um, <laughs> so the the Thunderstrike armor armor is a new armor formed by Sigmar and Grungy, who is a Dwarden god, in order to pierce those clouds. So before, you would come down from Azir in a bolt of lightning, and there'd be a massive impact, and it would affect everyone around you, basically, as you come down. Now, when you die, you have another massive impact to give you the impetus to pierce through the clouds.
2: And what's fun is that that is part of the lore
1: is it yep. the bird grenades? Yeah. Yeah, the bird grenades. It's <laughs> the, bird grenades.
2: Bird grenades. <laughs> the birdemic meta. Yeah, so as you say, oh. it's part of the lore, but it's also in the game where Stormcast units, which include the etherwing birds that you love so much, when they die, they explode and deal damage to enemy units around them. And it's great. Uh, <laughs> Um oh, bird grenades. Bird grenades. Uh, yeah. So the the thunderstrike armor like has a more powerful explosion, and they're a bit more durable, and they hit a bit harder. So the the first unit I have on the docket is just some vindictors. They are the new frontline infantry wearing this armor. And all I've done is do some simple head swaps, replacing the those beautiful bear stormcast heads that they have, like phenomenal, with some some dragon heads. Uh, next is uh, another proxy, which is my unit of vanquishers. These are are stormcast that have great swords, uh, two handed weapons. And it's actually the only time I'm going to use these models because they are the Liberators from the very first Age of Sigmar um, starter box. And I I did a head swap with some 3D printed dragon heads and swapped out their uh, weapons with these great swords. Uh, that is the, the Thunderstrike portion, but I also wanted to do some some hard-hitting folks. So I have what are my Dracothian Guard Fulminators. They are dragons riding little dragon dudes.
0: <laughs> Yo, dog. I heard you like dragons. <laughs> yeah. So I put a dragon and, on your dragon.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, these things are incredible. They're so they look cool. so neat. I mean, just looking at all these the sets above, I, I, the ones with the swords are so cool. The heads look so neat. The, the backward swooping um, horns on this guy over here are just yeah. awesome. And I think that it all ties together really well. Like it just looks like dragons, like warrior dragons. They would just be really beefy. So that it yeah, just works. The
2: big, big chonky boys. Yeah, I should say all of the 3D printed conversion bits I'm using are coming from two sources. One is a lot of the bits are coming from. Uh, a company called Artisan's Guild that makes 3D prints. That is really cool. That's where a lot of like the weapon conversions I have are coming from. The heads are actually from Hero Forge. I went in and designed some dragon folk that I like, I like their designs of, including the positions of the horns and the shape of the head, and even giving some of the dragons mutton chops, which... I love the fact that dragons with facial hair <laughs> is canonically accurate because that's what they have for the new, the Draconith dragons.
0: Yep. So the new Draconith dragons, there are two, there is Crondus the first prince, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And then Karazai, the scarred. Uh, so these I are want to be a
1: dragon. If my name was that, like, I understand why there's not any dragons. If you're, <laughs> you're getting names like Crondus
0: yeah i know right so um but the the kind of cool thing is that Kragnos, who we've been talking about this whole time um who went and tried to wreck excelsis and failed a little bit um he fought against krandis and karazai the scarred way back when like millennia ago before he was trapped by the Seraphon in a timeless prison underneath a mountain called Twinhorn Peak. So the reason why we're seeing Krondis and Karazai now in this moment of the timeline is because Kragnos is back. So one of the cool things about the Dragonith, though, is that they're, they are definitely true dragons, but they are like D&D, super intelligent true dragons slash spellcasters, slash wreck face um so they're not like stupid beasts of burden they're not just like cool flying lizards they're actually immensely intelligent um engaging characters within the narrative
1: yeah wreck face what's wreck face
0: so as in like i'm gonna get into your army and I'm going to destroy all your units. I'm just going to wreck face. I'm going to
2: wreck your face with my face. I'm
0: literally just like <laughs> using slang here. Not anything. I just think. Johnny wreck face.
1: Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great nickname, and I hope he comes up at least once in the story. Now that's old Johnny wreck face. So wreck your face. We'll find a way to
0: make it work. <laughs> Craig knows is now just Johnny wreck face. That's what I'm going for. Yeah.
2: And that's a good call out for like why the Dragonith are returning, Yep. And the fact that, like, dragons had like had existed in the realms in the past, and then they went away for a while, and then they're back. And mm-hmm. them coming back is why my force is finally hitting the hungering step. Um, because we didn't want to play our hand too early, and we only wanted to start doing, like, now that the Draconith and other dragons are reappearing, is when we need to go secure those areas. Yeah, Uh, moving from the Dracothian Guard, uh, two more, almost done. I have a unit of prosecutors with storm-called javelins. And I love these dudes. They are (laughs) other liberators from that starter box that I've converted Mm -hmm. to have spears and dragon wings. And I actually... For the, the unit champion, I used the Lord Arcana model from the, like, getting started with Age of Sigmar 2nd Edition magazine.
0: Yep. Um, Great model. It's the
2: only way to get that model. And so I, of course, started cutting him up. Aaron would kill me.
0: <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, he would kill you. Man, he would slay me. Yeah,
2: right. Um and so I gave him wings and the classic dragon head. I replaced one arm with a one of the shield arms that I had left over from my Vindictors. And then for his special javelin, it's actually Indrasta's.
0: I was sword. wondering if that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: Andrasta's sword. Nice. That, that's where I'm going. Andrasta, the new... Super powerful hero. I'm stealing her bits to add to unit champions. (laughs) (laughs) In in my defense, I have her converted up too, but um, I'm not going to show her off yet since she's not in the story yet.
0: All right. Cool, cool. Uh,
2: Yeah. And then finally I have my, the, the hammer quite literally, which are my annihilators with meteorite grand hammers. These are uh, from the, the new Dominion box set for 3rd Edition Age of Sigmar that I just did some swaps out to replace their shield hand with bare hands where possible or just like little bucklers and then giving them just massive mauls. Um, are good. they
1: made of meteorite? Are they space hammers?
0: Yes. What's fun... So, oh. yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um. So every stormcast weapon, every stormcast shield, every stormcast armor, according to the lore, is actually made from that core of malice. So it's called sigmarite, and it's mined from the bit of the old world that's within the sigmarabulum. So yes, they are in fact space ore, space metal, space knights. You are absolutely correct.
2: Yeah. Uh, and it's another good call out. Like we've been talking about the the realm of Azir, where these folks are coming from. Well, the realm of Azir uh, is known as the realm celestial or the realm of heavens. And when they say celestial, it's easy to think of um, almost angelic light-based holy but we already have a realm of light when they say celestial, they mean like celestial bodies. They mean like starlight and meteors and storms and lightning. Um, Like these dudes, when they deploy, they literally come crashing down onto the ground and dealing damage to anyone around them. Uh, And I really think that's a, a neat little distinction that they have a lot of their, especially these Annihilators. There's a lot of meteor, uh motifs throughout their armor and their weapons.
0: So, that's actually a cool aside, too. And like, as in celestial bodies, so Spencer, in the Middle Realms there's a race called the Seraphon, which in the Old World were called the Lizardmen. And they are literally just intelligent lizards. So, They're ruled by these immense bloated toad wizards called the Slan. And the Slan run... So do you know what the Inca pyramids are?
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Right? So in Age of Sigmar, they have those, but they're actually spaceships.
1: I knew it. I knew it. It was going to happen. It's going to be Aztec space... Inca spaceships. Yep. Cannon.
0: So... So the Inca spaceships are actually in the realm above Azir, so they're in within the what's called the realm sphere. So they're within the area that is considered part of Azir, because outside of Azir is what's called the void. Um, so the void is like the nothingness of space. Um, but the Seraphon are divided between two different categories, and one of them are literally just flying around in spaceships above. The realm of heavens um, in temple cities uh, is what they're called so yeah so Will has done something kind of cool here where he's basically made a an army of these dragon folk and because he's able to print all these 3D bits where he's got mm-hmm. these different heads and and wings and weapons and stuff he's definitely created something quite separate um, from the Seraphon where definitely still Stormcast but at the same time, it's a little bit of a nod to their same lore. I feel like yeah. as well. Is that kind of intended, Will?
2: Yeah, and I really liked the part where you said that Will said something cool. Um, that
0: fair? <laughs> that, that really resonated with me. I I, I would definitely believe it. <laughs> yeah, well, and that um, was
2: part of the the thing I was trying to do because I like th- this all started with I want to make Dragon Army, and I was like, how do I make this separate from Seraphine? There are so many things that connect them. And ha- like I had to be purposeful in separating the two. Because it, I mean, humanoid lizards versus humanoid dragons, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs>
0: yep. Well, and the Slan uh, and the Seraphon are also very much allied with Dracothian as well.
2: Yep. Which was the other so, um,
0: um, yep. hard thing to work around. So, um, I think we've kind of covered our our basic units. Yes. Right. So, um, I'm going to upload a couple more pictures into the chat for Spencer to go ooh and ah over. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I'm also going to use these as tools to describe my lore for my army. So, um, I'm going to start off with I've got a. Uh, I don't remember what I was calling it. I think I was calling it like a sapling cart. So yeah. this is a very important part of my narrative. Whoa. Um, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. So the sapling cart is being pulled by... This is like a straight up... Am I really crazy? Am I doing this? Bitspot's creation. The answer so, is yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely yes. Um. So... It's intended to be kind of a frog type uh, creature. Um, and it's converted from the hands of tree men and the head of a tree man wow. with a couple of like kind of frilly bits on it. And then the honeycomb look is actually mm-hmm. from a character from Age of Sigmar called Draka Hamadreth who is a spite, um, which is not quite the same thing as the little spirits that are on my um, huntsman. She's more of like a big, bad, absolutely intelligent. I'm going to kill you. um, Spite revenant is, is who she leads. So this is literally, I take some bits and then I throw some glue and say, does this fit here? I guess this fits here and I'm going to make a creature out of it.
1: It, it doesn't look like it as has as that suggests. I mean, it just looks so ah woodsy. at the, at the and do you think do you think there's actually wasps living in his face is like active honeycomb? Maybe so some bees. So
0: that's going to tie in actually in yeah. my next conversion that I show. So yeah. that is a great call out. Yes. Um so this Sylvaneth Beast of Burden, which is what I was attempting to convert um, is actually um, pulling my sapling cart. So my sapling cart is basically, it is a, uh, a corpse cart, but I've added in some putty to uh, be a placeholder. I'm going to add some um, texture paint to it to make it into a pile of dirt with a bunch of saplings. So... This is absolutely necessary towards a narrative, but I actually don't have any rules for this model, at least yet, because um, the point of this model is that it has, again, one of those half dryad, half spites, actually, um, with the Wild Rider head, Um, and he is guiding this cart because this cart holds the saplings, Of And these saplings are these little trees that are going to be planted on the nexus where a Dawnbringer crusade would start their city. So let me explain that. We're going to go back to the Seraphon because those are the easiest way to kind of talk about ley lines. So the Seraphon have the ability to identify ley lines, which are lines of magic across the realms. So I, I don't know how familiar you are with Druid magic, uh, Druid religion, um, Spencer, but
1: decently. Um, yeah, I've I, I've been around D and D long enough to have picked up some some elements. I know they like trees, and they're big yep. fans of 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 nature.
0: So ley lines are this idea uh, that is innate within the Age of Sigmar that there are rivers of magic within the realms that converge at certain points. And so one of the big narrative thrusts of a Donner crusade is that they are intending to make it to one of these nexuses. Mm-hmm. So these combinations of these two rivers of magic called uh, the clay lines, mm-hmm. because that's the place where they are intended to start their settlement. And if they place their city on this settlement, it will gain power and be strong because it is protected by the magic of the ley lines, this node of magic, as it were. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's it's, It makes slightly more sense than the eagle and the rock thing. So, I mean, they're, it's like they're very actively looking for this.
0: <laughs> Correct. So, in this cart are saplings. And these saplings, when they grow, at least in my narrative, when they grow to full length, which is something that you can do overnight with Sylvaneth, um, they will actually allow my army to interact with what's called the realm routes, which are these, this network of travel that the Sylvaneth themselves have that allow them to go from realm to realm without using realm gates. And, So what my army's narrative is, is that they are attempting to go back to the places where the realm roots have been removed and cut and destroyed and establish it again into the network of realm roots. So so this model is the way that my army will connect their city back into the realm roots. So That's why the model is super important to my narrative, even though I don't have rules for it yet. But uh, the next one we're going to talk about is my war altar. So you were talking about a bunch of hornets. And there's the picture.
1: Oh, yep. That's (laughs) crazy.
0: So... Uh,
1: um, uh, When you said a bunch of hornets, that is literally a swarm I didn't even know they can make figurines that are literal swarms of insects. That's yeah. bonkers.
0: Isn't that cool? Uh, yes. So, yeah. So these are two of the the Sylvaneth living spells that are the little honeycombs with the the spites coming out of them, the little insects. And so, in my narrative, my war altar actually contains the Aqualith. So the Aqualith is actually a never-ending spawn of Aquagaranis. So Aquagaranus is the Sylvaneth version of cleansing the lands. We've talked about the flagellants where they literally flagellate themselves and their blood purifies the land. Well, for the Sylvaneth, they have water from Giran called Aquagaranus, And when that flows on the water or flows on the land, it cleanses it. But in my army the Sylvaneth have actually used that Aqua to reinforce their life force and their mission. And so this model is, um, you'll see the side of it, uh, but it's, it's very much an age of Sigmar model. That's a cart being pulled by another one of those beasts that I just showed you in the, the sapling cart. Um, but the Sylvaneth are definitely taking a lot of the power of this Aqualith that is intended to cleanse the land and um, run this new city of Sigwar that they are hoping to found. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it is being led by a another Spite Revenant um, with her little cool warm Spite on the side. So, um, so those are my two kind of like focal individual focal points Mm -hmm. and then i have a couple more
1: just crazy looking (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: Uh, as you're putting up the other photo the other fun uh, thing about aqua is that in the soulbound role-playing game and in most cities of sigmar it's used as money (laughs) Uh, it's one of the the few resources that actually has like inherent value, which is a an interesting dilemma in Age of Sigmar, because like something's value is only based on like how useful or rare it is, but when you have a realm of metal like Shamau, um gold doesn't have as much use if there are rivers made of it. In Gur, there's you know, it's the Realm of Beasts, so they have a surplus of meats that they could trade elsewhere. But because of Aqua Geranus's purifying powers, it always has some sort of value. And in the role-playing game, it's both like the currency and the healing potion, which I love. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we're going to move on to the last two models, and they're almost identical. Um, but these are going to be my uh, celestial hurricaneums. So a celestial hurricaneum in the cities of Sigmar is supposed to be this giant map of the solar system, basically. Um, so in the original model, it has a a ball in the center, and then it has a couple rings, and then it has little planets or planetoids on the outside of the ball. So it's a really gorgeous model um, for Cities of Sigmar, but I really wanted to make it more sylvaneth, so more tree-based. And so my Celestial Herd Economes are actually going to tap into the realm roots in order to do their power. Um, so I've got two of these here that are going to be my army. So you can see a little bit of like how my narrative has influenced my choices there.
1: Dude, what? It's a... What is that? What? Okay, we got... I mean, I could describe this. I, I think you just have to share this picture somehow, because this yeah. is... This is neat. Describe
2: it. <laughs> worm,
1: worm cart tree. Worm, worm cart tree is, is how I would describe it. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, okay, so we got... We, we'll start at the bottom and work our way up because this, this is a really tall figure.
0: It is really tall, yeah. It's
1: really tall. Um, it's worm, and the guy is, is not even close to the base. Okay, so there's a giant armored worm that puts mm-hmm. the, the worms from Dune to shame because it's got this big scaly back and, and teeth and a tongue. Uh, and on its back, it kind of, is a cart a very mm-hmm. intricate cart with a tree just straight up grown out of it and mm-hmm. instead of being in like the cart on top of the tree there's a dude in a in a in a parapet, in a like a mm-hmm. he's up there he's he's up yep. there on top of this tree he's yeah how big is this thing how tall is uh, it like in real life
0: it's uh it's a couple inches tall it's like 6 or 7 inches tall mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'll doors share... are
1: going to suck for you if you have to go through a door. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That thing's huge.
0: So you can see. So a standard miniature is 28 millimeters. That's like maybe an inch and a half. <laughs> and then you can see, uh, as Holy I just posted, the pictures cannoli. of all of them together. It's uh-huh. it's tall.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So it's a worm cart tree man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's definitely like. So what does he do up there? Is he just, like, a watcher? Is he, like, commanding things? Is-
0: he's a, he's supposed to be a spellcaster that's tapping into the realm roots in order mm-hmm. to um, cast magic. Uh, so those are my two green priests.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've oh, got yeah, 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 one yeah. that's kind of holding a scroll and one that's holding a book. But, again, these are half conversions. But the, So the bottoms are Dryad's. But then the tops are actually um, uh, Gloomspite gets MoonClan Squig Riders because I wanted to give them some more motion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then I used some High Elf bits to give them their books and their scrolls. And then I used uh, some Witch Elf uh, Sisters of Slaughter bits in order to give them their – they've got some swords – That they use to cut into the tree itself to give them the power to be able to cast their spells and then again they're using those um, wild rider heads to reinforce that theme so um to parse this out for people who are listening it's the worm from the endless spells from the sylvaneth box and then the skull root from the endless spells as well but it's placed on top of the the cart for the hurricaneum and then the parapet itself is mounted with above the roots of the skull root to make kind of a commanding view for my green priests. Um, and the reason why I made this conversion is that I, I, the problem with the Hurricanum is that it is very much designed for Warhammer fantasy. And what I mean by that is that on the side of it is written Emperor Karl Franz. So Emperor Karl Franz was a character from the old world, and when the world blew up, he blew up too. He actually became an avatar of Sigmar before he blew up, which is kind of a cool detail. But I didn't want to use the carts straight up because they have a very old world feel to them, and I wanted to use two Hurricaneums because I came up with a cool idea for a conversion. But I wanted to quote AOSify them. And so the way that I aosified them is by throwing out the whole orrery itself and mounting a tree on it instead. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's the conversion for my Hurricanums. So that's the whole army. Uh, it took me a little bit of a while to explain it, but I really wanted to explain my narrative through them because that really is what... When I design an army, my models definitely... Tell me what the narrative is going to be. I wanted those models to reflect the dichotomy between the cities of Sigmar element of my force and the Sylvaneth leaning element of my force. Hence why you've got a big floaty tree, but it's anchored into a cart and it's being pulled by a giant worm. So that's my idea.
1: All right. I'm all for it.
0: (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So great. Uh, So, Will, um, why don't we talk about your characters and your. Yeah, so. Your stuff as well.
2: um, Because I'm Stormcast, we had actually talked about everyone in my starting force. So I'm just going to share two conversions for people that will be potentially joining my force. And then I'm going to transition into some of the the background mechanics of it all. So earlier I had mentioned my Andrasta conversion. So I'm going to show her off. So with my Indrasta conversion, I just gave her a huge set of dragon wings to replace her bird-like wings and just swapped out her weapons with those Artisan Guild weapons to match the Draconian Force. And I don't know. I just love her. Like, Indrasta is a character new to Age of Sigmar 3.0. And she is this monster hunter chosen by Sigmar and she seeks to hunt the most dangerous games. And there's just a sort of, uh, ferality and v- like very...
1: It's like a, 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 ferocious majesty to her. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I'm like, well, yeah. this is perfect for a dragon. And so that's what I, love I
1: did. It. <laughs> I love it. I'm rooting for her. I... I- I found, I found it. I found the cool one. That that spear sword is. I hope she doesn't die because I hope. do they die? We'll find. I guess we'll see. If she if she um, dies, she
2: she could potentially come back. So.
1: Oh yeah, because she's a lightning lord. Um. Yeah. yeah as yeah, long yeah, yeah. as
2: the skies don't get her.
1: Let's hope not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's neat. Her wings look so. Dragony. I, I, I don't know. I'm really helping there, but
2: they look neat. Yeah. Um. And then next, I have my Lord Celestat on Drakkoth conversion.
0: Uh, yeah. Swapping yeah. out. I enjoy him. I enjoy his shield in particular Yeah, as well. Yeah, so
2: this is from the... It's Vandis Hammerhand. Mm-hmm. From the, again, that first edition starter box. Most of my Stormcast Forest is just starter boxes. <laughs> um, as I said in our our episode 0 I had always gotten the starter boxes and then hadn't done anything with them. Now I'm doing things with them. Yay. Uh, yeah. I gave him a like unique dragon head, a cool like dragon scale shield, and replaced his weapon with a like a large glaive.
1: Mm-hmm. Which
2: is super cool. Um yeah. and I had mentioned that like these aren't a part of my force yet. Uh because we're gonna I'm gonna go into the mechanics now of how I, I created my my little army.
0: Yeah, this is a cool thing that Will has uh because he's got a Stormcast force and they got their new battle tome. Yeah. So he's got Stormcast specific Path to Glory rules. So I don't have access to these at the moment. Um so I'm super intrigued to see how this is gonna work because it sounds super awesome.
2: Yeah, so one of the, the most exciting bits off the bat, is I mentioned that this is like my own custom storm host. Uh, what a storm host is, Spencer, since I know you're going to ask, is almost like different armies within the Stormcast Eternals, each with their own unique themes. There are, just to name a few, one of them like the the Poster Boys are the Hammers of Sigmar. They're the golden boys, quite literally, with their golden armor. And they are kind of like the like the vanilla. They are the, the classic foot soldiers. They're the Astral Templars, which also come from Gur. And they're like the hunters. So they have a lot of more fur on their armors, a lot more feral. Their special rule is that like monsters... Can't do their special monster rules against them. Also, the most famous one of the Astral Templars is named Hamilcar Bear Eater. And oh, he he's the best. Stuff.
0: Hamilcar loves Hamilcar. He's That's the all best. I gotta
2: say. Um, you know you're cool when your name is Bear Eater.
0: Um, yeah. So, first, Spencer, not
1: cool to bears. Uh, <laughs> saying.
0: So, Hamilcar is like. I mean, he's not Chuck Norris, but he's like the Chuck Norris of Age of Sigmar. He just is like, I can do what I want, and I'm super cool. He literally walked up into a tomb in one of, our, one of the story phases we talked about in a book. where He walked up into a tomb where a woman had been bound into um, forced labor of protecting this storm vault, which is this like basically safe that Sigmar made to keep super dangerous stuff. And she is basically the battery that's powering the defense system for this vault. And she literally has not been able to leave this vault in thousands upon thousands of years. But Hamilcar walks up to her and he's like, I'm Hamilcar Barrier. Perhaps you've heard of me. And she's like, no, I've been stuck in a vault for 3,000 years. And then his internal monologue, which is on the page, says... Yeah, I know she was probably pretty far away from it, but I thought there might be a chance, so I thought I'd ask anyway. So <laughs> he's that kind of like overbearing, over the top character, and he's absolutely wonderful. He's so. the best.
1: Unless once again you're a bear. Uh... <laughs> Unless
0: you're a bear, okay, yes. Although at the moment there are no bears in the Age of Sigmar that I know of, which is bearman
1: a- question mark? It's going to appear on the boards now. Yeah, bearman. <laughs>
0: That's a real mark. question. How does he become Bear Eater when there are no bears?
1: He ate all the bears. That's it. There used to be
2: bears. (laughs) And the the revealed models for the Annihilators, like their champion has, like, sculpted bear, like, all over his armor, which...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Bears are coming.
0: (laughs) Yep. It's gonna be the bear meta. Yeah. bear with AOS
2: 4.0, Age of Bear. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different Storm hosts, like a bunch of different canonical ones. And there are like eight different ones with rules you can play from. But uh, new to this edition and exclusive to Path to Glory, which I love. This is not in match play. So we get our own little toys. Is the rules to create your own Storm host. So that's what I've done. There are three different categories of what they call tenets you can use to create your storm host. There is tenets of the hammer, which is just different bonuses to your various attacks. There's tenets of the shield, which is your survivability, and then tenets of the tempest, which kind of talks about how you move around, slash there's an ability of magic. So to create my army, I chose a Tenet of the Hammer, which is the Obliterating Storm, which gives me one to hit rolls for attacks if I charged in that same turn. And then I took a Tenet of the Tempest, which is one step ahead which is I can retreat and then still charge in the same turn. This is getting into like the actual game mechanics. Essentially what I've created is an army that while I'm fighting, when it gets to the movement phase, I can have my guys step away to get away from the fight and then immediately charge back in and then get a bonus to hit for doing that. I could also use it to retreat and then charge into someone else um, and the reason I chose these two was again I just wanted like what do dragons do? They hit hard and they hit fast, so I chose the the two tenets of that focused on charging,
0: which was awesome. Uh, Makes some dragony sense to me. Exactly.
2: Um, the f- other thing about Path of Glory is that you get your own. Stronghold, which is super fun. And we get to name them. This isn't unique to the Stormcast, but my stronghold is the Dragon's Mott M mm-hmm. O T T E, which yep. I, I'm a history major originally, even though I never use it except for Age of Sigmar and Dungeons and Dragons. But a Mott and Bailey is like those types of castles where it's a little fort on a hill. The Mott refers to the hill itself. Mm-hmm. So, in my mind, it's these these storm scale covenant, my my little stormhouse, they came and they're building out this their encampment on this hill they've created, and they're using that as their base of operations that will potentially grow into uh, a more permanent locale.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and I think here's where we can talk about where, in my head, we have a conflict between our two forces. Yes. Right? Because your force is like all Sigmar all the time, except when it's Dracothian. I would say
2: even more Dracothian than Sigmar.
0: Exactly. And my force is like all Sigmar all the time, except when it's Alariel.
2: Yeah.
0: So while we both have forces that may seem like they're both on the same side, you're really angling towards Trakothian as opposed to Sigmar and I'm really angling towards Alariel as opposed to Sigmar. Yeah. So we've we've definitely got the lightning versus the tree here. <laughs> uh, and I think that's where our narrative is really going to be. Yeah. Kind of rubbing against each other.
2: And it, yeah, it is interesting cuz we're both like aided by Sigmar, but I'm here to use the power of the ley lines to help dragons grow and to foster that growth and you're harvesting the power of the ley lines to help Correct. the Sylvaneth grow. And so to reconnect
0: those realm roots. Yep, exactly.
1: All the while you're fighting against dirt that wants to eat you. So I just I can't yeah. get over that.
2: <laughs> exactly. Dirt dirt that wants to eat you, trees that want to bite you, um, and water that wants to swallow you up. Exactly. Yeah, and then the final things I wanted to chat about really quick, since last week we talked about some of the basic rules of Path of Glory, I just want to talk about how I'm using those. Uh, so for Thalen, Razorbolt, my, my general and warlord, um, I get a command trait and a core enhancement. In the previous versions of Age of Sigmar... If you picked a sub-faction, which for Stormcast would be a Mm Stormhost, your command trait would have to come from that sub-faction. And this is true for pretty much everyone that doesn't have a third edition book. So everyone but Stormcast and Oryx. Exactly. But I don't have that anymore since I do have a book. So I got to choose what my command trait was and I chose Shock and Awe. Which my my Ooh. yeah, which my my force is a sign of the storm army. Stormcast have two choices. Signs of the storm are the ones that can teleport from Azir directly onto the battlefield, and that's like their fun ability. Whereas a storm keep is someone who already has like a pre-established fortification and pre-established roots in an area, so they can have mortals or even like people from cities of sigmar joining in on them and i didn't choose that for two reasons one i don't have pre-established roots in this area i'm also new and then two i also didn't want to kind of go into your lane since you're doing a a cities of sigmar type force yep um I i wanted us to keep our our forces distinctly separate identities Yep. Uh, but the Shock and Awe ability goes to my Signs of the Storm, where when uh, people teleport down onto the ground, it is harder for you to attack them. Uh, oh. almost, like you're too awed and amazed to, to really get in your hits. Yeah. Cool. And then my weapon, of course, is the Fang of Dracothian, because... Yes. It's gotta you be. Have to. exactly
0: yeah so and and the way that we're going to kind of work with my army as far as the path to glory is concerned is that um we're going to start off with having a couple of different dawner forces so i've assembled 2000 points but um what we've kind of talked about is that because i'm running a Dawnbringer crusade and most of the Dawnbringer bringer crusades don't actually work um, we're going to actually fold that into the narrative where if I lose, then I can't establish a strong point. Um, so this is going to be interesting for me because if I win, then I can start to establish a city. But it's all under the direction of this this character, Petra the Thornborn. So he's trying to send this out. So obviously in our narrative, there is a realm gate close to the living city, which comes out on the hungering Step. And I'm trying to establish this bulwark, this foothold into the hungering Step, where I can build out this city. Um, so I'm excited for this because you've got your kind of almost stable force that's going to be going around and trying to stop me from establishing my, uh, my ley line um, laboring, as it were. So... I, I'm very excited to see where this story is going. Same,
2: go. I am very intrigued. And like, if you if you have characters that die, they well, they die.
0: They die. They're dead. But
2: with the Stormcast, if I have characters that die, they just get reforged, and they will lose parts of themselves, but they will come back. So that's going to be the interesting.
0: I'm going to have a lot of heroes that are going to be uh, dying some deaths. But it also really fits the narrative of the Dawnbringer Crusades because, most, of, like I said, most of them are supposed to fail. So I've got a, a bunch of other models for warrior priests and um, different characters that we could use for sure. So, um, and one of the other things that we talked about is that we're going to try and run this like a... I've been calling it a sort of four warlords format where we're going to be trying to be painting up our forces as well as writing this new narrative and running these new stories. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Um,
2: I always admit that like painting is one of the harder things for me to do, but I, I am so excited to get this unit painted up and on the table. Like, because it's not that like I'm not a great painter or anything. It's just hard to find the motivation.
0: Yeah. And oh boy, am I motivated! <laughs> <laughs> so this should be a, a cool uh, narrative and also hobby journey moving yes. forward. So, um, so I think we've pretty much covered both a narrative for my army and for your army, um, Spencer. Do you have any more questions, comments, cake? I really Ooh. like some cake right mm-hmm. now.
1: Cake sounds pretty good. No comments or questions, and unfortunately, no cake.
2: No. Oh.
0: No. Oh. The cake is alive. Next time. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, man. Flashback to 2009.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so, thanks for listening to our amblings on the road, and we hope to see you along the path. So, Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and on Discord
2: at Sever Elon, S E V V I R E L O N.
0: And Spencer, where can they find you?
1: Um, frequently at work, but uh, in, in woods <laughs> around Wisconsin, uh, those two places. Yeah. I have a Twitter account, it is not active and however i am a little bit more active on the discord so you, you can definitely find me making some memes there every once in a while miss Photo, cool be there be square
0: uh and i am at pj shard on all the social medias that are. i oh, don't know we're gonna go with that <laughs> so uh, again uh thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later